Do you actually have to be on cocaine to be on this podcast? What's up, everybody? You are listening to yet another edition of Cocaine Willie. I am your commissioner, Bob Trollsby, and as always, I'm joined by my co-hosts, the good chef Andre Napier and Fireball Matt Marchesini. Tonight, with K-State coming off of a double-digit victory over UCF to open up conference play, the Wildcats head into a bye week, and we are zooming out a bit to take a bit of a look at the bigger picture in the Big 12 so far through one-third of the season, or one-quarter of the season, rather. Uh, who better to help us do that than the host of Big 12 Radio on Sirius XM, our first true Big J journalist to join the show, Ari Temkin, also a friend of Robbie Triano, whose voice is so uh, so eloquently saying, do you actually have to be on cocaine to be on this podcast <laughs> beginning of our theme song? Uh, but Ari, thanks a ton for joining the show tonight. Please don't ever accuse me of being that, a journalist. So uh, <laughs> it's great to be here. I appreciate you guys having me. Thanks. Uh, Thanks for letting me spoil your, your wildcat party with a little Jayhawk love. <laughs> it's okay. We're going to have to have a Jayhawk again at some point this season, so we might as well get it over with now. <laughs> All right. Uh, first and foremost, this has been a super weird year for the Big 12. It's been a super weird year for college football on a lot of different levels. But whether it's conference realignment, whether it's schools joining or leaving the Big 12, some teams either under or overperforming when you look at maybe Texas Tech so far this season or West Virginia so far this season – how would you describe the theme for the Big 12 so far through four weeks of the football season? Well, we haven't even hit October yet, and my expectation for this season of the Big 12 is completely and utterly dead wrong. Um, and that is, I mean, so I picked Oklahoma State to win the conference, which I'm now reluctantly admitting, um, because I thought it was going to be a league of parity. You know, we'd seen that the last two years, obviously nobody expected people expected K-State to be good last year. Nobody expected them to win the conference. Obviously nobody expected what happened at TCU last year. Um, and then the year before that with Baylor, they came out of nowhere. So kind of thought this was a league of parody and had been. And so major question marks around Sark and Texas. Can they close out games? They've had issues with fourth quarter struggles and, and giving up leads. You know, we don't really know much about Brent Venables as a head coach. So I kind of just went with, all right. You know, and and quite frankly, I did overlook K State. I probably should have just picked them because they're they took off all of the boxes. But I wanted to go crazy, Buck Wild, and four weeks in, and I look like an absolute moron for picking a team that looks like the worst team and one of the worst teams in the Big Twelve right now, Oklahoma State. But it was based on the idea and the notion of parity. This is a league of parity, and I think, I mean, one game into Big Twelve play, and I think it's obvious who the best teams are, and we'll see if Kansas really belongs in that conversation here on Saturday when they go to Austin as a 17 point underdog. Yeah. Speaking of Texas, um, most of the polls and power rankings out there are in agreement that Texas and OU probably the two top two teams in the league, at least as of right now, thinking about the top five teams in the conference through week four, where would you have teams in, in kind of that one to five slot? Well, we power rank on Wednesdays because, you know, um, it's not good enough to just have things in this world. You have to power rank them accordingly. And so that's what we do on Wednesdays. Um, but I will most likely have Texas one. I mean, 
and this is just based on like, what have you done this year? Probably Kansas two, uh, based on the Illinois win and strength of schedule. Um, probably Oklahoma three and K state four, um, in terms of five, I guess that would be BYUC. Who am I missing? Who am I missing guys? UCF. I mean, right. I mean, BYU or UCF, um, not Texas tech, not Oklahoma state, not Baylor, not Houston, not Cincinnati. Where would you put TCU? Yeah. TCU is who I'm missing. Yeah, they're, they're probably, they're probably five. Good call. TCU is who I'm missing. Well, I mean, we're, we're giving those top fives and we're thinking of those top teams. You got OU up there. You got Texas up there. What, what's an Achilles heel for these elite of the elite teams in the big 12, which you, which you just said was supposed to be the team, the league of parody. Where can, where can Texas trip up? Where, where can OU trip up if not just beating each other? I think right now, Texas is in a different category than OU. OU can get there, but I don't know that OU has been tested Cincinnati tested OU a little bit, but they couldn't finish drives in that game as they, they couldn't their previous game either. Um, that's just a major struggle for Cincinnati, a, a team that has a really good running game, but cannot finish drives with touchdowns. Um, you know, if you look at the Wyoming and the Alabama games, you know, maybe you say you muck it up a little bit with them, you know, get them to play, you know, get them, get them to get out of their game and, and, but like I, I would say the thing that I, I was looking for out of Texas coming into the season that I the reason I doubted them was based on their inability to finish games over the last couple of years, you know, and they've done that. They did that in the Alabama game in a big way. They did that in the Wyoming game in, in a big way. And, you know, after it's crazy because it's like it's still just week one of Big 12 play, but it feels like we already know what's going to happen now because it, we can be that much prisoners in the moment in football. But then also Big 12 does look bad um, and not just look. I mean, it is bad. <laughs> You know, like Phil Steele, I think, predicted um, in his projection that they were the fifth of the power five. And I thought, man, that's crazy. No way. And yeah, I I don't I mean, Texas Tech looks awful. This was obviously a team that a lot of people uh, picked where I picked Oklahoma State, Oklahoma State. I mean, I, if I if had, had I known that Oklahoma State was going to parade out three different quarterbacks through the first three games, I would have never picked. I mean, I thought they were going to Alan Bowman the whole way, and probably still not a good. I'm not, I'm still not justifying it in a in a way that doesn't make me look like a moron, but I'm still trying to. I'm going to try to do that. Um, so I, I I think when you think about that, like, yeah, there's not many teams in this conference that are going to be able to do that. Is uh, KU not one of them? Do you think KU can? I mean, they're seventeen point dogs, but is that is that the real test for Texas? I mean, so far it is, and that's what does that say? <laughs> I mean, in Kansas, it is is a it's a really good football team, and what Lance Leipold has done is nothing short of amazing. Considering, you know, they were an FCS, essentially an FCS team in the Big Twelve for a decade. Um, so to change that, have them be a bowl team last year is incredible and where they are right now, uh, it's incredible. And it's, it's light bold and it's less mile. I'm sure we'll get into this later, but it's less miles also gets a lot of credit for this. Cause he built a lot of this roster, including Jalen Daniels. Um, but so it's perfect timing, but yeah, I mean, like just from a talent perspective, I mean, you know what I mean? Like, that's how when we look at Texas, we talk all about like the five stars or the four stars that they have, but like, I mean, Devin Neal is it. 
in terms of four stars on that KU roster. Um, again, the game is played on the field on grass, but like, that's just a, just a huge distinction there. You know, I mean, it just overall talent. Um, I, can, can, it, can Kansas keep up with them offensively? Obviously going into the year, the big question with the Jayhawks was their defense was really bad last year. You lose some guys to, to the NFL off a of bad defense. So how could you get better? But they have, it appears their defensive line has played really well. And, you know, I don't know that I expect them to hold Texas to under 30 points, but if they can do that, they can win the game. Um, but I think it comes down to a team that has is balanced in terms of offense and defense. You know, I, I would have loved to see what K state could do against them with Daniel green healthy. I think, obviously I think that he creates a huge void, which we saw in a few possessions uh, in the UCF game where they were able to run right through them. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I, th- I just don't like, I look at the big 12 right now and it's like, you know, Kansas, Kansas state, TCU, Oklahoma. Um, and even that's on a win for the big 12. Yeah. And, and thinking a little bit more about Oklahoma, I'm, I'm curious, what were your thoughts coming out of that performance against Cincinnati? Because I felt like there were a lot of moments where Cincinnati could have taken control of that game. And, and I feel like their defense did a relatively good job of stopping Dylan Gabriel in that offense, only holding him 20 points. Cincinnati seems like arguably a top or a bottom five team in this conference, maybe worse just based on what their expectations were coming into the season and based on some of the play calling decisions we've seen from Satterfield, what do you, do you think Oklahoma's legitimate or do you think that they'll, they'll find a way to trip this year? First thing I look at with OU is their defense because their defense was really bad last year. Um, you know, they, they had, they did the Brett Venable switch, uh, defensively schematically and, um, you know, and we're just didn't have the personnel to run it. And so they were really bad. And, you know, you could just see immediately that like kind of a little bit like KU, obviously but a lot higher level of talent with Oklahoma that it's just like, they just, there's better personnel. There's more depth there. They play better. Like they're already a credible defense. And that, I mean, SMU has a, you know, historically pretty good offense, you know, so they did that in that game, you know, they, so there's some, you know, not great teams, not Alabama or Missouri or BYU or even Illinois, we're going through some of the, the better non-conference teams that, that Kansas and Texas and, and K-State have played. Um, but, I mean, I, I, yeah, you know, Cincinnati is really good on their defensive front. You know, Dante Corleone and, and that that defensive front is really good. So the fact that they weren't able to score more consistently against that defense isn't surprising. Um, and I think John Wilner from um, the Mercury News uh, tweeted that, there are five teams in college football right now averaging 45 points a game, and they are Washington, Washington State, USC, Oregon, and Oklahoma. So um, Pac-12 is really good, breaking news, um, but in scoring a lot of points. So, I mean, yeah, I think, again, I think Texas is definitely like right now playing like a national title contender. Um, you're a 17-point favorite against a team that's ranked 24th in the country and has, you know, an explosive offense. I mean, so that says a lot. Um I don't think Oklahoma's proven to be in that category yet, but um, they're, I mean, they're every bit a team that's going to be competing with Texas for a big 12 championship through four games. And and real quick, also looking at the rest of the league, there are some teams who have overperformed to expectations so far. And and I think of a couple at least, Uh, and there are definitely some teams that have, that have underperformed so far. You've mentioned Texas tech as one of those, who do you think has underperformed the most to the expectations they've had and also overperformed the most to the expectations that they had coming into the season and then looking back at it through four weeks? 
Yeah, I mean, so expectations, I mean, I, again, I picked Oklahoma State to win the conference. So based on my expectations, I would say that they're grossly underperforming. I think a lot of people thought Texas Tech was, I mean, you know, that wasn't a crazy pick if you pick them to win the conference. I liked them. I thought they were a little bit overcooked after what, like, I, I, I liked them coming out of last year thinking like, oh, there are a lot of guys back. They could be an underrated team. And then I think people like it went so far the other direction. It was so skewed. Um, and yeah, I mean, it, it's, you hate for Tyler Shuck, um, what he's going through because good, good kid, good player, um, you know, and has just had some bad luck in terms of breaks bad, you know, I mean, he threw a pass with his fibula hanging out of his skin. It was ridiculous. Poor kid. Um, so, I mean, but yeah, Texas tech offensively has not been anything close to, I mean, their best player is Taj Brooks and they can't really run the football cause they don't know how to, cause they have too much of a passing offense to, take advantage of the fact that Taj Brooks is their best player on offense. Um, and I think, I mean, I've been pretty disappointed with their defense. And we heard Joey McGuire talked about Steve Linton as a guy that was going to step in and be like, he said, Steve Linton would become a first round draft pick after the season. So, um, and, and McGuire said that before about guys have been right. So, you know, I, yeah, I would say without a doubt, Texas tech, I mean, Baylor is a team that I, you know, I said before the season, like I could see Baylor being an eight, nine win team. I could see them being a three, four win team. Like I just didn't know they were such a wild card to me. And, um, and yeah, obviously, it, it, you know, they, they played well against Utah, but I think that had a lot more to do with Utah's quarterback situation, which is not their four and but their quarterback, they need cameraizing back because their quarterback situation does not look good really the last few weeks. Um, so yeah, I, I'd say any combination of those three, um, because when you look at it right now, like I, I had Cincinnati 14th in the conference, I expected, you know, basically the newcomers to comprise the bottom five, six of the conference. And, and right now I would say you're looking at Oklahoma state, Texas tech, and, you know, Baylor um, as three, certainly three of those teams, which is a huge surprise and in in, in total underperformance. And who do you think is over? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Um, I mean, obviously Kansas, uh, because, you know, I, I didn't expect, I expect them to be really good in offense. Again, I was just very concerned about their defense, which was very bad last year and didn't think um, was going to be able to get better, but has already shown, you know, being a little bit better. Um, so, and I, I mean, I don't think I expect them to start four and oh, probably, you know, you probably look at their schedule before the season and think you lose one of the BYU Illinois games. Um, certainly don't think they will be five and oh, uh, you can almost, I think you could say K state too, even though there were high expectations for them and it was completely reasonable to pick them to win the conference. Um, you know, you, anytime you lose a guy like Deuce Vaughn, you know, you're, you're a little bit concerned about like, okay, the offense was basically run through him. Like the entire offense was built around him. He was the ecosystem of the offense. So like that's concern, right? Like that's concerning. You lose that. You don't know. Um, but I had confidence with Will Howard back that if you're strong at that position, that's good. I, I I'm shocked by how, I mean, DJ Giddens is, is unreal. Um, shocked by what he's doing. Um, probably shouldn't be at this point because they've been so consistent under Chris Kleiman, but yeah. Um, and probably TCU is, I mean, funny two teams that had a really good seasons last year that you shouldn't be low on. I would, I was definitely lower on TCU this year coming in than I was on K state. Not to say I was low on K state. It's just hard. You're, you won the conference last year. It's hard to back up those expectations with, um, you know, losing the players they lost, especially on offense. Again, knowing he's the ecosystem, that, that's, that's the only reason why I'm saying K state in there. Um, and it's funny cause they're probably where they should be, or were maybe a little bit below expectation. Cause I think a lot of K state fans probably thought they'd beat Mizzou, but Missouri's a good football team. They're way better than they were last year, certainly. Um, and yeah, T- TCU, but I don't. I still don't know about TCU because I don't. You know, 
obviously they, I think they were blindsided by Colorado. Um, and you know, it just sucked that they had to play them in the opening game. I feel like if they played them week four, it'd be a different story. Um, but it, it, I mean, their defense was so bad in that game and their expectations, their defense would be lit down because of the players they lost and their defense played considerably better. So, I mean, that's the big thing for them moving forward is, you know, can they, will their defense look more like they did against Colorado? Were they surprised by that? And, and do they have a better defense than they showed in that game? So I guess those, I mean, and then the newcomers, I mean, I mean, Cincinnati, um, I hate to give such a long winded answer, but Cincinnati, like they didn't have any buddy back. And when we talked to Scott Saffield, the big 12 media days, he, he said like, I'm not even sure who's going to play or what we're going to run. I was like, Oh, this should be fun. So, I mean, I, I don't know how good they are because I don't, their quarterback is not very good throwing the football. I think he's perfect for an offense that's really good at running the ball, and they are. They have a very good running scheme, and they run the ball very well, and Emory Jones is a good quarterback for that, but it's you struggle when you're down, you need to throw and because um, you just can't consistently complete passes down the field with, with Emory Jones at quarterback. That's what he's shown, unfortunately. So, yeah, I think that, that pretty well sums it up. I'm definitely surprised by the newcomers for sure. Yeah, absolutely. And thinking about from the coaching perspective in the Big 12, um, thinking preseason, a couple coaches that we knew were going to be very much on the hot seat, Dana Holgerson, Neil Brown. Um, Neil Brown's kind of gotten some things going at West Virginia. I mentioned West Virginia. That's a team that's overachieving for sure at this point. Yeah, yeah, I mean, they're in good shape. I mean, so I started off and I talked about, well, the Big 12 looks bad. You know, and then it's like, okay, well, we're four games in one week in a big 12 play like bad is only based on my preseason preseason expectations. Right. I thought Texas Tech would be better. They're not. I thought Oklahoma State would be better. They're not. So, yeah, I mean, maybe West Virginia, you know, is legit in a way. I mean, I I think you look at what the Nico Marchial thing, if Garrett Green's going to be out for an extended period of time, like it's just really difficult to win games with. They're trying, there are a lot of quarterbacks that are out right now um, that are missing time that are, that are injured. Um, so, but, but certainly I would say when you looked at their schedule and broke down how many wins they could have, the, the game against Texas Tech was probably a loss. The pit game was a toss up. You know, you figured they lose to Penn state. So they're, you know, they're, they're trending better than I think what you expected preseason, but I didn't think they were going to be the worst team in the Big Twelve, and their defense, which just fell off last. I mean, they their defense had been really good under Jordan Leslie, and and just fell off last year. And um, so, if they're back to playing better defense, that's another key to this. Obviously, is how, you know over the next few weeks we're going to figure out who can stop some teams consistently. You know, in in, in football. You got to kind of break it up in quarters. If it happens in one game, it's kind of an anomaly. It can be, but if it happens over three or four games, you know, now you have something. And and so we've just finished the four games. But really, when you look at you look at three conference games, I think that'll give you a pretty good indication of trends. Yeah, absolutely. And I mean, the way that things are looking for West Virginia right now, Neil Brown probably got himself maybe a little bit off the hot seat, but we'll see. Um, especially with uh, the next few games that they have upcoming, um, but. Thinking I mean, he'll, he'll get the season, you know, I mean, he, he's not going to be yeah, fired. No, for season. sure. So yeah, for sure. Um, it'll be, I, I'm, I'm very curious to, to kind of hear your thoughts on, you know, out of the 14 teams, thinking about the coach, you know, some of these coaches that might be a little bit more on the hot seat compared to others. You know, what school do you think is going to be most likely conducting a search for head coach by the end of the season, whether it's a, a coach that gets fired, retires, gets swooped up by another team, I mean, what school, if you had to put some money on it, who do you think? I think it's probably Dana Holgerson 
with kind of how things look at Houston. Um, you know, it's not Lance Leipold. You said get scooped up. So I'm assuming you were, you were, what about I, Lance I'm, I, I'm, I'm more assuming the fired situation, you know, Lance Leipold is a, he's a very interesting one. And, and I would also put Chris Kleiman in the same kind of breath with this, which is scary for us, but um, Lance Leipold, he has done something at KU in a very short amount of time that if you can replicate that at a mid school, mid tier school in the big 10, or I, I mean, I, if he seems sure. like a big 10 kind of coach, I don't see him yeah. in that CC or at all, but I mean, if you can replicate that at Minnesota or um, Michigan state, I mean, that's a, right. that's a, another great example. Like, um, he out of all the coaches in the Big 12, if I saw a coach that was about to get swooped up and, and get signed, you know, contract with another team, he would be probably number one on my list for that. Yeah, I mean, um, so is Michigan State is that job open? I mean, not not officially yet. Not yet. <laughs> <laughs> Are they looking for a new head coach? I'm, I'm not. I'm not a legal guy. So, so number one, like. I mean, if Lance Leipold went and coached at Michigan State next year, I'd like good for him, you know? Um, I mean, I wouldn't be upset. I mean, I'd be upset because I'm a, you know, he'd be leaving my team and he's a really good coach and I want him for my team. But I'd also like the fact that he took this job and the situation he did and then did what he's able to do, you know, I mean, it was just continually redefining rock bottom, you know, for a decade. They were literally about to break the record for most consecutive games not covered in the modern era. And then they covered against Oklahoma and then beat Texas the last time they played in Austin. It was unbelievable at the end of Lance Leipold's first year. Um, I think in this day and age, you know, being in lockstep in terms of the vision and how you're going to get there and philosophies between athletic director and head coach matter a ton. Uh, you know, the money is obviously bigger and the stakes will be higher in the big 10 and the sec. That's undoubtedly true. Uh, when you're talking about, you know, a television revenue, that's two to one, what, what the current state of the situation is. Um, but you know, I, I don't think Lance Leipold would be at KU forever by any stretch of the imagination. I would, I mean, I think Chris Klein is going to be a K-State forever. I mean, he's, he and Gene Taylor go back. I mean, obviously Taylor took a risk in hiring him. There are a lot of K-State fans that are upset when they hired him. You know, we don't have to go back to that, but like Kleiman's never leaving K-State. I mean, it, it's, it's, he's very much like Bill Snyder and in a lot of ways, very much unlike him. And, but he's perfect. He could not be better for that football program. And that this time it's unreal. They hit the jackpot. Uh, but yeah, I could see Lance Leipold leaving, leaving KU at some point. And, you know, you, you almost hope it's in a situation where it's good enough that, you know, you hand it over to somebody that's also really good and that he can seek if, if that's what he wants, seek, you know, seek a better situation with more money that you could build up a, a Michigan state or an Iowa, whatever it might be. Right. Um, and I wouldn't fault him for doing that. Um, but he definitely, I think is currently in a situation with Travis Goff and the direction of the athletic department that he agrees with. And, Hey, we're going to build this new facility and this new stadium. And we're, you know, I mean, it's moving forward in a way that um, if it weren't, I think it'd be more attractive for him to leave. Let me throw a, a, a name into the hat for this little conversation that we're in right now. Sure. Gundy. I mean, he's been at Oklahoma state forever. 
expectations are always sky high at Oklahoma State. I mean, they're dark horses every single year. He's constantly winning 10-plus games. Floor is like nine. Now he's in this situation. He's gone through endless amount of controversies at Oklahoma State. So you're saying he would get he would leave Oklahoma State? Not leave. I think he would, you know, get the Bill Snyder treatment almost because with what K State did to Bill Snyder, seemingly forcing him to retire, I could see that for but Gundy. how old I mean, is Bill Snyder? I mean, he's old as shit, but I mean, I mean, Mike Gundy's like 56. We're, we're like 20 years away from that. <laughs> I'm, I'm not saying it's forced retirement because Gundy could probably get another job if he wanted it, but I'm thinking Oklahoma State would be on the I think he's on a leash that's tighter than most would expect, in my opinion. Yeah, I mean, look, I, I think this is, I mean, my, my God, a disappointing year and the way I think it's been handled. You know, I, I just cannot imagine what he was thinking at the quarterback position. You know, to be, I mean, it, it, they did win two games like that, but it just didn't feel sustainable. Um, but, I mean, he, you know, he played in a Big 12 championship game two years ago and they were in a BCS Bowl. Um I mean, well, I mean, but if you listen to uh, any Baylor, you know, Baylor radio or anything like that, once Dave Aranda lost those first two games, it was a lot of smoke for Dave Aranda. And he was just in that same Big 12 championship. And he sure. won. It. I mean, he won it. But I mean, there's not much of a track record for Aranda. I mean, Gundy has a ridiculous. I mean, he's one of the longest tenured coaches in college football. And he has I think I think it's. It's like seven. I mean, he's basically won. Uh, he's he's been over five hundred and been a bowl game every year. He's been the coach. It's the longest streak in college football, longer than Saban at Alabama, um, in terms of like consecutive bowl appearances. So, yeah, I mean, look, it's fickle. And don't get me wrong. I mean, I'm not. I think the other part to this too is you think about the decision makers. So, you know, they had a situation where their former athletic director and Gundy would butt heads a lot. And there were situations where Gundy has admitted to looking at Tennessee or potential other options leaving, you know, based on his relationship with Mike Holder. Um, but now you've got an athletic director there that is, you know, somebody that looks up to Gundy because of the success he's had. So I don't know that you have the administration in place that would do that. Um, you know, it would have to be, you know, become so bad. Um, for there to be a force out situation, but you know, he's still only 56 and look, I mean, the guy's still, I mean, I know what's happening this year is, is not good, but I mean, you know, he's still winning a lot of football games. Shout out to Chad Weiberg, uh, K-State guy. Uh, yeah, that's right. State. Um, a lot of like, great I don't know what it is with K-State pumping out athletic directors, but you've got DeLos Dodds, Chad Weiberg, Kirby Hocutt. There's I used to work Bear with Beach. Lynn. The great Lynn Hickey, uh, former UTSA athletic director and former, and she was with the, I mean, she's a pioneer and in, in played women's basketball and I think coached women's basketball at K-State. She's awesome. I mean, yeah, that, you're right. There's a Kirby Hoke. You mentioned Kirby. Yeah, there's, there's a lot of them. It's crazy. Yeah. Yeah. So let's fast forward to the morning. And a lot of them played football under Bill Snyder. So oh, I, yeah. wonder if there's, oh, I, wonder, yeah. I wonder if he did a few <laughs> things right. I think he did. I think he did. <laughs> let's fast forward to the morning of December 2nd, 2023. Who are we watching warm up during the pregame at AT&T Stadium in Arlington, Texas? Texas and OU, which is exactly what we don't want and exactly what I said wasn't going to happen. But through four weeks, I hope I'm wrong. I hope I'm overreacting to four weeks. But Or, I mean, or K-State. But, I mean. No, that's an answer right there. How hurt is Will Howard? 
That's not something that's going to get better. I, um, I he needs know. an offseason to get it better. You think it's fine? I mean, yeah, sure, it's fine. He played fine. He didn't look hurt at all. He did not look hurt at all in that game. I mean, he ran when he needed to and picked up first down. I mean, yeah, so um, – but those you get a week off in between and you're only hurting it even more every week. I mean, it's a tough dude. I hope he, I hope he can keep doing it. Cause I'd hate, you know, injuries suck. I mean, Daniel green, that sucks. I hate that. Uh, you want to see the best players compete at the highest level. And um, I, again, I think it, it is a game changer for that defense, especially against the run. Um, Cause he was just so good in that second level of stopping things. Um, just cleaning everything up. So, but yeah, I mean, why not? Why, why would we think, I mean, all Chris Kleiman has done here is one. So why would we think he'd do anything different and not get them a spot? But I mean, yeah, Texas, OUK state, those are the three best teams in the big 12 right now. I'm, I'll throw KU in there. Cause I'm, I went there and look, they're playing really good football, but they could get very humbled on Saturday. We'll see. If, if it is Texas, OU, the doomsday scenario, the button's been pressed. What is that? Is, is it just a perception or is that actually something that could have ramifications for the conference or is there, is it just, clearly just eye candy for you know all these sec people to say what do you think i think i think it would hurt the conference perception like well we knew what ou and texas was and look they finally did it and now now it's really you already said at the beginning of the the episode people already you know label us as the fifth fifth of the power five so even with the pac-12 dismantling that that could just put us bottom bottom of the barrel again and losing those and having them in a championship game would just, it would suck, but I don't know if it would actually mean anything other than just, you know, digs after digs just at our conference. Well, here's the good news. It um, will most likely bring in a huge audience and rating, which doesn't have a ton of bearing on the money handed out, but it would benefit the big 12 from the perspective of the audience that it would bring and it would be, I mean, the, 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 the television broadcast would be a, on ESPN would be a SEC. I mean, it would just be all SEC all the time. It would feel like an SEC football game, but the benefits of the popularity of that game would go to the big 12. Um, but I, people are, I mean, it's, it's fickle. I mean, the big 12 has been one of the better conferences in America and you know, it's down this year. It looks, it looks to be down this year. We'll see a lot of football left to be played. The pac 12 looks really good. But timing is everything. And, um, you know, the Pac-12, had this happened last year, may have had a different fate, but it didn't. And I think TCU and, and certainly K-State, but TCU's run last year was so big for the conference, especially in going to market with their TV deal, with all the excitement with Brett Yormark, just perfect timing. Um, that and the Pac-12, you know, being so full of itself that it didn't accept any Big 12 members when they had the opportunity. Where's the bar? Uh, oh my god, well, embarrassing! That was so embarrassing. <laughs> yeah, now I'm good. Uh, well, so I do want to talk quickly about the four new schools coming in from the Pac-12 um, next season. Fairly exciting. Um, obviously, Colorado, Utah, Arizona, Arizona State. What are you most excited for with these four additions? And is there a specific school or coach or storyline that you're most looking forward to covering um, when these schools do um, come into the Big Twelve? summer of 2024 oh you're talking about cincinnati ucf no i'm just kidding um <laughs> man are there any teams coming in next year um arizona 
Yeah, I guess they got a basketball program, right? Um, Arizona State? Nah, you know. Yeah. I mean, I'd love to go to, you know, Tempe and, and I mean, those are great sit, great towns, great college towns. Um, Utah is joining. That's cool for the Holy War. Big 12 is, you know, has lost a bunch of rivalries. So to get a, a rivalry is huge. Anybody else? Is anybody else coming to the conference? Anybody other than that? A guy named Dion, maybe. Oh, maybe not. Right. I don't yeah, know. Maybe, right. maybe not. <laughs> oh, he will. He will. He'll he'll be there next year for sure. Um yeah, I mean, you know, it, it's it's really one of the craziest stories ever. And, you know, I mean, people want to watch it. And obviously the ratings for the Colorado State game speak for themselves. Um, I think Oregon really wanted to do what they did to Colorado. Like they really wanted to. It's like in Fight Club when they're like, I just wanted to ruin something beautiful. That's what they did. Um, so, yeah, I mean, but but I think they're over under is three and a half this year. So they've already won three football games. You know, I don't know that they're going to win or be competitive against USC. I certainly hope so. Um, because, you know, because that situation with Lincoln Riley and whatnot, but um, we'll see if they can be competitive, but they'll, they'll win five, six football games to get, get to bowl eligibility. And, you know, coming to the big 12 is a huge story. I mean, Dion is already recruiting a ridiculously high level, um, you know, being able to, to use Dallas um, where obviously he's got some roots, some interesting roots based on prime prep, you know, the history there. Uh, but yeah, I mean, people are still going to pick up the phone when Dion calls and some of the best high school footballs played in Dallas. So uh, Colorado is, is going to be in position to run this conference as long as Dion's their head coach. Now, you know, I, he'll be there next year. I don't know. We'll see beyond that and where, where, where his next job would be. Um, so I, I'm not even sure, I, you know, it'd be interesting to see. I don't know that he's an NFL guy. I think his thing works very well at the college level. Um, he's a great motivation, motivational guy, but I didn't think he'd work at all because I didn't think he'd be able to defer his ego. So, you know, I was dead wrong about that. So maybe he's an NFL guy too. We'll see. We shall see. Well, Ari, that's, that's all the questions that we had for you tonight. Thanks a ton again for joining us. Let the people who are listening or watching know where they can find you and your great work uh, and plug whatever you want to. Thank you. Yeah, no, um, I'm on Twitter or X, uh, though I refuse to call it X. So at some point, I'm sure Elon Musk will make me, but today I'm going to call it Twitter um, at RE Sports. And um, yeah, if you have a subscription to SiriusXM, channel 375, we talk all things Big 12. I am a Jayhawk, but I, I stay pretty even keel. I mean, I'll get a little obnoxious during basketball season, but that's what the fun's about. But uh, no, uh, 375. And then if you don't have if you don't have SiriusXM, you should think about getting it. So. Thank you guys. I I th thanks for what you do. And you, know, you, you listen, you talk to a lot of people that want to do this and want to be on the radio or ho host a podcast. The first thing you say is like, just start doing it. And a lot of people don't. And so you guys, you know, to, to show up, to, to have this every week, to draw the audience you have, it's impressive. Uh, it really is. So um, and thanks for asking me to come on guys. Yeah, of course. Thanks we'll brother. You want. Yeah. yeah. And loyal serious XM subscriber here. So. I, I I pay for it and I just don't even realize it just continually just comes out of my bank account. <laughs> so I will actually tune in and uh and find the show for you. Tune in channel That's amazing. Uh, channel 375. Fireball Matt's oddly quiet here. Yeah, I think he I think he wanted to say something. Still can't no. find the mute button. Yeah, I can't find the mute. No, I look serious X I, I was telling Ari before this. I was texting my dad during this. My dad is a huge fanboy of Ari. Like he he listens to Big Twelve Radio every day, and he heard that we were having Ari on the show, and he's like, 
Oh my God. He's the best. Like he's the best. I no, love that's his not show. What I, was asking. I, didn't, I wasn't asking for it. What, do you, Validation. Everybody else was talking. Do you have serious sex ever not? Well, no, that's where I'm going. That's where I'm going with this. That's okay, where I'm okay, going okay. with this okay, is okay. like, I have serious XM in my car. I have a calendar invite every six months to call serious XM to get a, to keep the same deal that I have. So I can listen to the 12 yeah, radio and ESPN radio. Name your price. Let's go, baby. That's how it works. You know, big deal getter over here. Hey, that's, that's the way it goes. And look, I yeah. mean, it's quality content. I mean, some of yeah. it, I mean, not coming from me, but a lot of other places and uh, a lot of people like Howard Stern. So, um, but no, I, you know, it's the roller coaster that we've been through in the big 12. Um, it's pretty remarkable, especially in like, Big 12 radio is five years old. And so like you think about just what's happened in the last five years in this conference, it's insane. Thought like the conference was going to be dead and that I was going to, you know, the channel was going to be dead. So, um, yeah, you know, and we have some of the best fans and supporters and people that listen. I mean, they don't, we don't talk about ratings like internally at Sirius XM because I don't even know what the rating system is, but it's clear that there's, you know, a, tons of people in this, you know, in Big 12 footprint, the original, you know, Big 8 Southwest Conference footprint that that love what's going on on Sirius XM Big 12 radio and you know and so that that's really cool because sometimes you feel like the little brother to the Big 12 Big 10 and the SEC but the fans show up for us in a big way in the Big 12 and I think that's a metaphor for the conference in a, to a degree well and you do a great job of representing the conference as uh, as you said I mean there are these perceptions about these other conferences, but there's so much with the big 12, not just in football, but you get to basketball season and um, where the big 12 is perceived very, very strongly. And people like you represent the conference so well and eloquently um, so that other people who may not be living in big 12 country can get a really good um, idea as to what's going on. So I think we can all agree and say, thank you for what you do. But at the end of the day, we just talk, tell Dick and fart jokes for three hours a day. So yeah. Well, I'm knowing knowing that. Robbie Triano, <laughs> knowing knowing what he delivered to this show when we had him on the couple of times we had him on, it's Steve's pretty par for the course. Yeah, dude's a budding star. Robbie's awesome. He is, and awesome. Uh, it's too bad he had to move to Chicago because we miss him on Big Twelve Radio. So for sure, for yeah. sure. Well, Ari, thanks again a ton for for joining us tonight. And thank for, you for asking. Thanks for inviting me, guys. I appreciate yeah, it. Of course, of course. For all of us here at Cocaine Willie, thanks a ton for listening to the show on your podcast feeds or watching us on YouTube. Do us a favor if you're listening on Apple or Spotify podcast, leave us a five-star rating and follow the show. If you're uh, watching on YouTube, give us a like on the video and subscribe to the channel. Even if you're not a K-State fan, it will still help us. Uh, you can follow the show on Twitter or Instagram or follow us individually. I'm at Bob Trollsby. Fireball Matt is at Matt Marchesini and the good chef is at Chef Andre Napier. Na chef Andre Napier. Oh my God. Chef. What Take the hell, man? <laughs> Cocaine's a hell of a drug, baby. We are all coke and no joke. Wildcat country. <laughs> Let's ride. Let's ride. Let's ride. <laughs>